Lamb goes out to the left-hand side of Blundell. Blundell's into the penalty area. Stands across up towards the back post. Headed back across goal. Chance for Gardner! Yes! for Gardner! What Manchester United have left in the Telfragi time! Brings it down. Has another attempt at it. Oh, she scored! And the super sub for Manchester United strikes again! Full-time whistle goes on what has been a fantastic season for Manchester United and one that they will look back on and be proud. Hello and welcome to United Podcast. I'm Sam Homewood and today I don't have Helen Evans or David May with me. I've got former Manchester United women's goalkeeper Siobhan Chamberlain, who is, I've realised, the first person to be a guest on this podcast. So if you've not listened to her podcast, feel free to pause this, run back, listen to hers, come back even more informed. And also she's now helping out with the presenting side of it. And also with us is MUTV reporter Ben Ibsen. How are we both? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very privileged to be the first guest and presenter on Alternate Podcast. Be a bit weird interviewing yes. myself, wouldn't yeah. it? But yeah, very privileged. I think it's pretty cool. I'd imagine my podcast is in the works at some points. Come yeah, on, yeah, yeah. We're waiting until Maisie and Helen are available, and then it's going to be a whole big event. People are <laughs> people are messaging every day. I mean, I guess today's pretty special as well, isn't he, Mark Skinner? I think I'm very excited to speak to him and get to know what kind of person he is because he's probably by far one of the kindest people I've ever met. Go on, tell us more. Just the way he goes about his business, the time he gives to people, it's, it seems really special and he never goes out of his way to, to not go and do that, if that makes sense. He'll always go and see the fans, take pictures, his players, I bet his one-on-one management is brilliant and the way he goes about his work is, yeah, I'm kind of in awe of him. Well, that's nice. Try to keep it together though when he comes in. I'm sat so close to him. Yeah, I'll try. Yeah, just maybe don't touch him. That'd be a bit awkward. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Siobhan, from your perspective, what have you made of Mark's tenure as Manchester United manager? I mean, you look at the performances this season, it's been absolutely outstanding. To be so close is so hard, like especially as a player, to be in that position and then to kind of not quite get it over the line can be so hard. But the growth the team has seen, and if you told them the points tally and everything else like that at the start of the season, this is what you get, this is what you achieve, without saying, but you'd be runners up. I think they'd have taken it because it's been brilliant. And the growth that the team has seen over the last two years, but also over the last five years as well, is absolutely phenomenal. Ben, obviously you, you watch a lot of the games, you go to a lot of games, you interview Mark after the games. How have you found this season? I found it brilliant, to be fair. I remember speaking to him at the beginning and he did say, our expectations are Champions League, anything above that is a bonus. I was giving a bit of talk when we were top of the league saying, we're here now, are we going to go on and win it? He said, no, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. This is where we are. This is our focus. Anything above that is a bonus. Into an FA Cup final, brilliant. Last game of the season, still in with a shot at the title, brilliant. Just enjoyed every minute. And I think the fan base, everyone involved did as well. Obviously, Siobhan, you know Mark like personally, as opposed to Ben and I are just professional acquaintances. Yeah, I mean, Mark was my um, goalkeeper coach back in the day um, at Birmingham. This is going back quite a few significant number of years here. And married to um, one of my good friends and, and, and former teammates, Laura Bassett. So yeah, I know Mark really well and it's great to see him at the club and doing so fantastically well. Nice. All right, well, let's get on the show. Here's Mark's going Mark, welcome to United Podcast. How are you? Really good. good to see you all. How are you? 
I am excellent. We've had a wonderful season um, and I've got a holiday coming up. So I'm very, very uh, forward looking towards that. Uh, not even looking forward, I'm forward looking. So yeah, look, I'm, I'm good. I'm in a good space um, and look, really pleased. So I'm looking forward to this as well. I haven't done one of these before. So looking forward to the wonderful questions I've got. But yeah, well, hopefully you'll still feel like that in about 45 <laughs> minutes time. I hope so. The obvious place to start is you just said about what an incredible season it was, like a truly historic season for Manchester United. But also from your perspective, is there, is that that little thing of that one draw that made all the difference and an FA Cup final, but one goal, it's like the tiniest margins, but it's still amazing. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? We sit in that limbo part of, yeah, we want to win. So yeah, it was tough. Um, the draw against Everton I think we had 32 shots or something like that so it's one of those days and the only team we lost to in the league was Chelsea and so I, th- I look at that I think we <clears throat> when I look at the games we played I think we won 18 and you know we had a, a win percentage of 81.8% or something around there so when I, when I look at that I go yeah but then there's still that tinge of we're wanting to win it because that's what our club are set for and that's what we want to achieve and the FA Cup final you know we, we do a really well first half Darth a little bit second half maybe um, and then one moment where we switch off um, and they punish it and that's that's where we've got to grow to so it's always one of those things we want everything we're a fast food culture now aren't we, we want everything right now and want it served on a platter for us but the reality is we know with all of the things that we're hitting and getting hurt with we'll only build us for what we want to achieve which is long term success not just a flash in the pan success I remember speaking to you when we were at the top of the league, probably three, four months ago now, and I was asking you about how it's feeling that we're at the top of the league. Well, you said we're almost ahead of schedule at this point. Our aims were Champions League for this season. Anything that happens above that is a bonus. It's hard for me, like, it's hard for me to be a bit of a realist um, because my job is to drive standards every day. So, you know, people talk about goals and goal setting as coaches and so on. I, I often find me, this is just my personal preference, is that when you set goals that are fixed, it's very difficult to move away from them should you get injuries and so on. And, and then all of a sudden, so we go, we want this points tally and we don't achieve it. It's a devastation. I work much more about the practicality of each day and what it must look like in each game. So it's almost like micro goal setting because the players... Every player should be telling you they want to win the league. If they're not, they shouldn't be at Manchester United. So for me, it's about those little parts. And, and I think when I've looked at it and reflect on this season, yeah, look, we're, we're, we're ahead of schedule. We are. We are. I don't want to keep using the five seasons old conversation. We, we have to at some point drop that. But the reality is, it, when you look at the, the biggest point for me this year is where we've grown is the experience. We've got the most experience from last year, from the year before where we failed. So not getting what we want this year in terms of a first place finish and a cup, um, you know, it'll only drive us forwards. But but I can't I can only be pleased when I reflect on it, when I'm not as angry at losing the league on the last day, I will sit back and I'll reflect and there's been huge growth. I mean, I'm I'm sure you're gonna read the statistics later, but when you look at that, my performance metrics, if they're there next year and we had the right players into this team, then I th- you know, I think we can we can go on to achieve special things. You talk about the experience and experiencing loss. You made all the players stand there and watch Chelsea lift that trophy at Wembley. How big a kind of learning curve and moment do you think that was for 
the coaching staff and the players. Do you know what's, you know what's really crazy? I, I did that against them in the league last year when we lost 4-2 at their home ground when they lifted the trophy. And it wasn't really shown on TV because I think Kings Meadows, like you can only view it from that point. But I made them do it. And there was a little bit of reluctance from the team to do that. And they didn't understand why. And I got a little bit of kickback. And um, this year, they automatically came together. And when we looked at, you know, we're getting closer to Chelsea, there's no doubt. And look, and I don't mind it. Chelsea spend a lot more money than we spend, a lot more money. And so for me, it was about, they have to face into it, Siobhan. They have to face into loss. Because it's the only way you grow. We we never, you, you've been out. When you win, you go, that's brilliant. And you have some fun in it. But you don't really, unless you're a studious kind of character, learn lots from being successful. And every coach says that. But but for me, it was those, it's those intense moments where every day you work with a player and not everything drips into their psyche, right? They don't, they don't remember everything you say. And you need big moments to really shake them. And they don't want to feel like that. It's devastating to feel a loss at that stage of a season or, or a cup final. And so really they're taking all the emotion and, and it fuels them and it fuels us as humans in every walk of life. So I did it for a reason and the players now, I, what I want them to do in the future, Siobhan, is I want them to face into it on their own because I'm their guide. I'm not. I should, I'm their lead, I'm their guide, I'm the one that will take all the pressure. But the reality is they're the ones that are going to win on the field and I want to put them in the best place to do that. And I think psychologically that's why we did that, to, to give them that, that kind of togetherness in adversity. Where are you going on holiday? I'm going to Malta. Yeah, nice. Visit Malta. Visit Malta. <laughs> I'm visiting Malta. Um, yeah, we went uh, at, at Christmas, over the Christmas break, and I loved it. So I'm going to take the family there, visit the wonderful island, maybe see you know some of the fans over there as well. I'm really hide from the sun because of my Irish skin. I'm going to hide from the sun. So, yeah, I, I just... Um, just to relax. I think we need to just switch. I want to be ready for next season. You know, we've got a big season ahead. Hopefully we can progress in Champions League to the group stages. Um, we know that's going to be difficult. We'll hopefully talk about that in a bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking forward to spending some time with my family. If anyone knows me, my family is the most important thing to me. So I am literally going to switch off and go and spend time with them. How hard is it for you to switch off? Because obviously, maybe not obviously, some people won't know this, you're with someone who played football for the England women's team. Is it is it difficult not to just always be on it? <laughs> I mean, Siobhan knows her, so she's um she's a character. She is uh somebody that is if we lose, she's angrier than I am at times because she's she's just just got that competitive nature and she's passed that to my daughter. So I'm uh, I'm lucky going forward with that one. But yeah, look, it's we we talk clearly and she understands the role. She understands the pressures of the role. Um, and that's, that's unique and, and I love that. Um, but the reality is because of the stresses of the job, like I, I tend to go home and not really talk about it. Like you can't relive something every single minute of every single day. Um, because you end up with a stress cough <laughs> and that's all I've got now. But, um, no, it, it's wonderful and she gets it and she offers me insights and, um, she sees things that I might not see. She's, you know, got that, that ability and, yeah, it's a it's a real privilege to to be in a position like that, but it can get intense at times. Well, I think that's one of the things she said. Obviously, Laura is very competitive. <laughs> um, I know that from playing with her and against her. Um, but yeah, that kind of gives you that perspective. She knows how you're feeling. She knows 
what a loss means. She knows what a win means, not to get too high and too low. And obviously you've got a little girl as well now. How important was it having her with you on the pitch? I mean, look, it was what like we, we spent a moment at Birmingham. We didn't have her. So my first club, we didn't, we, she wasn't born. We went to Orlando and there's some wonderful pictures of her running and jumping and, and like us sharing a moment. And then at the end of this game, we're just running on the field. So it's just me and her after we thank the fans, of course. Um, it's just me and her running and, and it's even one way it looks like I'm giving her a team talk. She's sitting on the ball, but somebody took a photo and I wasn't, <laughs> I was actually asking her a question, but yeah, like they mean the world to me. And, and so Laura getting it is, is the biggest part. I think actually we'll put Sadie off f- football for life. There's, there's no doubt because her mum's football and I'm football and it kind of drags her parents away from her at times, which obviously you'll know, but yeah, it's, 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 she, they mean the world to me and to have, to be able to share them in these moments is literally that what fills my soul up as a football manager. What was family like for you growing up? That's a good question. Um, not sporty, okay. <laughs> not, not sporty. So um, I always found football was a way to connect with people. I always found you find friendship through football. Uh, all the things that a football actually loves to do when they grow up, you know, they never talk about the money. They never talk about the accolades. Um, but they talk about the friendships they create. And that for me was that. I grew up, um, I was in fact a goalkeeper. You know, Sire knows this, but I was a goalkeeper, tiny goalkeeper. And so I learned to communicate that way. Uh, obviously never learned to reach the bar um, to touch it over. But yeah, look, it was the technicality of that, seeing the position. Sire knows this, when you sweep from the back, you see everything in front of you. You can kind of put things in place. So that was, that was for me. Um, but I was always passionate about education. I was a teacher and so wanted to help people be better. I think I'm a, that's what I do in this environment. It's about giving a foundation for people to build from. Even when they're low in confidence, even when they're high in confidence, you know, it's just giving them something that, that, that connects to the human. And that, I, I'm, I'm passionate about that. So that was life growing up for me. Uh, I got one brother, two sisters, uh, mum, dad, grew up in a working class, uh, background in Birmingham and, Yes, sport was a was a key factor for me to drive my ambitions, and and so obviously I'm here today. Where was it you started playing sport, <laughs> and at what age did you decide? Because you jumped on being a goalkeeper, there you get to see the pitch. Is that when you started to learn you wanted to become a coach and see the game differently? And I can imagine you were quite a loud goalkeeper in terms of organising the team. This ain't going to be a happy story, mate. <laughs> no, I um I was. Uh, do you know what it was? I was, I was an out, I, I played outfield, so I was a fullback and then, so I can, I can play out. And then I saved a penalty. I saved, I went in goal and I saved a penalty. I got so much kind of hype from the coaches. I, I was, but, but this is the side, maybe I know, look, this is, this is, um, therapy for me. So I came <laughs> back, right? And I was playing this one game, Sunday league. And I always I had to have the assistant coach stand behind the goal with me because I was that low in confidence. And he'd say, you're all right. And he'd have to, for like a full season. And I think that's the psychology of me understanding how to perform. And so I saved the penalty, stayed in goal. And then really when I got to college football, we were at Hereford United youth team uh, through the college structure that we were at. And yeah, I had a, a coach who's recently passed away, but I remember one of the games, we played a game, we lost three, two to Hensford. If you know anything about the Midlands, that was quite a big rivalry. Um, and to be fair, one of the goals was my fault. It, it was. I can't, I can't get it. But I made a wonderful save in the game. 
probably wasn't now, but looking back, it was a wonderful save. You, you took <coughs> you took the blame. Take the credit. Took the but. Do you know what? I'll try and take the credit because straight afterwards he put his arm around me. And I thought he was going to say, "Look, it's the last game I was going to ever play for the college. It was the end of our our kind of time there." And he went, "I just want you to know that was all your fault." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, okay." But he taught me that day <coughs> how I don't want to treat a player. And so, so that the story wasn't happy for me, but hopefully it's happy for other players when we go into this. And, and yeah, look, but, but being isolated in, I don't think people know this about goalkeepers. And, and so I will, will have definitely explored this on other media is that actually it's, it's a lonely place. It's a lonely island. And to stay concentrated and make big saves in big moments is, is like as big as any goal that you'll ever score. And so f- that's where I learned about probably the psychology of the game and like how to direct, how to dictate, how to move people, how to look at the technicality of like blocking shots and defending and then attacking and, and your details are where it's, oh no, you've got to throw a ball and it's got to go in front so you keep momentum on the counter-attack. All these little details that, you know, I think I'm, I'm a detail person anyway, but I think those are the things that probably now my therapy's come out and I can probably look back and say that's probably where I learned it from. I think psychology and you talking about your like your interests and the importance of it has translated so much into this season's performances because you look back to last season, the psychology of being 1-1 in the 90th minute but not necessarily having the belief you can go on one further or conceding late on. I think the psychology has definitely changed this season. I do. And, and you know, we, we, we talk about psychology like it's unachievable for normal people. Psychology literally is just the human thought processes, right? And and we all know that we all have patterns and habits. And if you adapt those habits, then you can adapt the human. You know, if you give them love at the right time, they adapt. If you scold them at the right time, they adapt. And, and that fascinates me. Humans fascinate me. I almost go into a room and try and read the human. And, and that's quite sad and lonely at times because you're never really just happy sitting there in the moment absorbing just a conversation. You're always trying to read people. Um, but I think so that that's that for me is that the why we're different this year is because from what we learn in the experiences of of defeat and not being successful last year we just didn't want to feel that way again and that's a real motivating driving factor and so when I talk about psychology I, I don't mean we sit down and we do psychological analysis and all of it's really subtle details and I think it's really buying the human allowing you to take on board the psychology of of performance and winning and you know what this year like it's been the first year probably in my career where towards the end of the game I've been really solely focused on trying not to waste emotion I think you know I think I got a bit of grief for not celebrating um, Luthier's goal against Manchester City but the reality and you won't hear this because I'm not on social media so don't come out every day and tell you how I feel um, is that um, I wasn't happy with my team's performance. Second half, we didn't play our football, and I'm 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 happy. I'm I'm that's my job to drive that standard. So yes, I'm I'm allowed to do that. But I clapped and I supported my players' contribution because it was an excellent contribution. But the reality is, I've got to drive those standards. So as long as winded as this answer is, I'm trying to now. This is my uh, social media exploits. <laughs> um, but no, I am um, I'm driven and and I want to make sure that you know. These jobs, the the stresses that we're under can affect your health. It can affect your health. You know, it can drive you to distraction. 
but the reality is, and we don't, we don't pull that curtain down. I don't think coaches because we, we're this solid, you know, for our team and this, but actually I think finding, showing my players vulnerability at times allows them to show me more vulnerability and then we build the blocks from there. And then I can build their characters into hopefully champions, winners for, for years to come. I want to ask you a question that's followed that answer. You've used the, the word lonely twice so far, once mm-hmm. about being a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And you said about when you meet people and you're trying to read them in the room. We had another manager on this podcast once who told me that the role of the manager is a very lonely place. And that was Sir Alex Ferguson. Wow. Um, what an immense man, by the way. Um, even throughout the season, there's, there's been key messages from him that I've shared with the group. He came in and saw the the players and, and told them he learned more in loss than he ever did in in obviously victory and it was a real inspirational conversation but even the you know after the final he, he messages just to say stuff like that but it is lonely and I think the worst part for me is picking the team you know people think I don't like players because I don't play them but I see them every day I see if they're right for the game for the strategy I see you know there's a lot about Luthia we can talk about it now because the end of the season Luthia, everybody wants her to play, but this this part of the season, this season, Luthia was a great impact player. That doesn't mean she's going to be forever. In fact, she's a wonderful player, but she didn't get the defensive part of the game this season. She will do next season. She had a season with us. It's hard. Like in Spain, she would stand up front and they'd play the ball and she'd run. But here, you've got to adapt. You have to defend the way our teams defend and, 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 and nobody can tell me any otherwise. We've got the clean sheet record for the league. So um, uh, there's nobody else. And you'll know, so it's not just on Mary that that happens. It's from the front. But coming back to the, the conversation around, you know, selecting teams and so on, it's lonely. And I, f- I actually only found out probably two or three years ago, I'm actually quite an introverted character, but I'm, I can be extrovert. So in my environment, it's easy for me to be extrovert. But in my in my life, I would much rather go home and see my family than go out and party. Sorry, Ben. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so for me, it's like you learn a lot about yourself as you go throughout these these parts. And I'm only six seasons into my career. And every team I've been at, every season they get better. Yeah, look, it is lonely, but um, it's also libera- liberating. And I feel it's liberating. And, you know, the pressures are exciting times ahead. And, and it, it's scary because it's it's uncharted for Manchester United women. But we're excited about that and I want to be excited about that. And, you know, I want our club to keep investing. I feel we can be a real force in the world of football. But, we, you know, we, we can't we can't slow now. We've got, to, we've got to put our foot on the gas. Just for the benefit of the listener, when you apologise, it's because you knocked my mic. It's, cause, it's not because I invite you to parties every weekend yeah, and you never come. You do invite me though. <laughs> but one thing I want to pick up, <laughs> the small details you mentioned, some you mentioned, Sir Alex Ferguson. I've seen all season the time you devote to people and the amount of time you devote to them as well, whether that's your players, your coaching staff, the fans or journalists. After a game, you'll be speaking to a, a large number of people. But in between that, I saw it last game of the season, you came over and on your way from the BBC to to come and speak to us you stopped to the fans you spoke to them you signed shirts you took photos for you that's 30 seconds out of your time for them that could make the season and that makes them want to come back next year and support the team where does that come from uh i, th- I literally think that's from my upbringing it's hard because i did social media when i was in orlando 
and I got pouters because it's not a nice place, right? It's not a pl- nice place to live. But so I feel that sometimes there's a disconnect between my real character and actually what's portrayed of me. Um, because everybody tries to read your decision when really they don't know my thought processes. But because I don't explain them on a social media outlet every day, some people then put two bits together and, and get and get something that's not true. The reality is I'm a very people-centered person. Um, I'm very driven and that, that doesn't mean I'm soft, but what I am is I want to see people grow. And for me, it's not only growing, winning championships and titles, but people that, that, will, that would come and see you if they'd never seen you and, and treat you like they did at the time. And people are super important to me, but I also... As I say, I I understand that I don't always make every correct decision. I'm willing to own that. But I think giving time to people is, I think, you know, we talk about money being the best currency in life. I'm a big believer in time is the the only currency in life. And if you can give somebody your time, it's, I mean, people might disagree because they want a new car, but actually it's more important than money because when they really need you and they know that you're there, I think it's really special for somebody to do that for you. And look, as I say, it, it, it's just part of my makeup. It's part of my, my character. I'm a loving, caring person. Um, but I also have a ruthless edge and I have to have to be in this job. Let's get back to the journey of how you got here. So in 2019, you took the job as the second ever head coach of Orlando Pride. A huge move. You'd been at Birmingham up to that point. What was the decision-making process? What led you to America and all of that? Um, okay, so... So I was a teacher before Birmingham, so uh, then went and look, it was it was tough to leave Birmingham. We created a really strong vibe, a really strong. They're one of the uh, the old gold mine teams, Birmingham, where there's a lot of talent that com- came through. You coached a, a really good uh, when you were goalkeeping coach. I know you coached a really good young goalkeeper, right? She was excellent. Was she? Yeah, she was excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who are you but, talking about, by the way? It was you, mate. Oh, it was you. <laughs> Just check it. It was you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it, well, we only had so for it. Do you remember? It was like we yeah. were part-time. It wasn't long, yeah. Year. You had to travel up and down because you couldn't pay players full-time at that point. So, but no, we, um, yeah, it was a, it was good times that so I enjoyed those. But then after that, that was when I was goalkeeping coach. And then obviously when I became first team manager, we took a young team. Um, nobody thought we could achieve things. We were, we were beating Manchester City. We were beat, I, they didn't beat Chelsea till like the day I left, actually. Uh, the week later they left. Um, and then we beat Arsenal and we got to a cup final. And so it came to a point where I didn't think they were going to invest enough. And I couldn't look at the team in the face, the, the same the same passion and commitment that they were giving to the club that I couldn't see it get worse. And so, you know, Orlando came up and at the time Laura was pregnant. She was actually giving labour as, as I was speaking to the club. Um, she was in labour. So... We decided that was the right move for us at the time. It was very difficult. We went over while Laura, I think Sadie was two months old when I went over. Um, and then we went through the pandemic where she stayed at home for nine months and I never saw them, saw Sadie or her for nine months, um, which was, again, a tough moment that you have to deal with. I don't think people always know that. that they think you're the tough character so you never have to feel anything. But the football-wise, it, it taught me a great deal. Um, I had some wonderfully, wonderfully gifted footballers that were World Cup winners, that were senior players. Because at first at Birmingham, they're quite young, you know, quite a young team. Obviously, I had Ellen White, and she was top goal scorer that season for the league. But 
we had players that had won World Cups and it's, it's almost like stardom over there. You know, you would travel away with like Alex Morgan and then there'd be an extra 5,000 fans at the away venue just to see her. And it's like, you know, stardom. But it taught me a great deal about football. It taught me that I have to swallow my pride at times and play the football in front of me, not my ideals. Um, and I have to adapt. And so we didn't adapt first year and it was a massive failure. Although the club, again, the club couldn't recruit though. We, we, we given everything, it was um, a draft system. So you couldn't recruit players. Um, and then once we were able to do that and they changed that uh, before I left, I think second season didn't exist because of COVID. And then the third season when we went into it, um, we gave the best run that the club had ever had in the start of the season. And we beat North Carolina who hadn't lost at home for I think two or three seasons. And so we were flying and then, you know, the opportunity to come to this wonderful club came and I was never going to turn that down. So, you know, I learned a lot. I learned about, again, that lonely word and how to deal with that. Um, but also how to, to take doubters and prove them wrong. And so when it came here, um, again, I'm sure there were people that were like, well, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do this. But actually, when you have a belief inside yourself and you put that onto your players, then, you know, we can achieve anything and we can achieve everything at this club. I have no doubt about that. But as I say, we have to we have to continue to invest. Women's football in America is absolutely huge. What kind of lessons do you think the UK and English football can kind of take from that? What What is the reason? Why is football so big, soccer so big over there? Yeah, and, and I, I like to separate it as soccer and football. I really do because I think it allowed me to leave it in the moment of, we talk about influences in culture and I believe that the influences in the culture, and I know people throw the term, oh, it's a basketball match, but actually uh, American sport is grown up on, on victory. It's not grown up on like a draw. They don't like ties or draws. So like you look at basketball and that's why the game is literally so transitional. Also, the, the the female athletes are female athletes before they're soccer players and they do everything. I think the way they structure their year is only in, in college, they're only allowed to do football, soccer for a certain amount of time of the year. Then they're doing other sports and other athletics. So they build this really athletic, athletic frame and... You can see that in the way that they play. They love running. They absolutely love running. It's almost like you have to say, no, stop running and think like this and you can, you'll be even better. But they do it better than, than many I've ever seen in the whole world. So I find that a real wonderful skill to then go and counterattack, go and press high. And what another thing, uh, Siobhan, like a little detail you don't see is the weather. Like it's, it is hot almost every single game you play. And I mean, it's hot here. We've we've melted in the twenty two degrees heat wave here. Over there, it's like thirty five degrees and humidity of a hundred percent. Especially in Orlando, you actually feel like you're in a swamp. So it was it was really unique kind of learnings and teachings that I found while I'm over there. But I, I honestly believe, and I just don't think it's achievable here. I think the college structure, with how competitive it is, and the fact that you might be 17, 18, deciding to go to university. You got to travel six hours on a plane and live in a totally different state that is almost like a different country. They have different laws within their state. Um, and so you grow up, you mature. The 22 year olds over there look like they're about 30, not, not in physical looks, but in, in maturity. I mean, me, me, I went to a college that was a mile down the road. Like I didn't, I, I just got on a bus. I went to the college. 
Like it's those factors that drag you away. And then you're fighting against, you know, what is it? The, the, is it like, is it water lilies or something that grow up from the dirtiest, muckiest roots? Actually, they have that much to get through, many players to get through that actually by the time you got to the top, you're a refined mental athlete. And, the, the pressures I deal with, like some of the, some of the things like Alex Morgan had to deal with. She, she amazes me even to this day about how professional she is and how driven she is. Um, and so I think those are massive factors as to why it's the culture, Siobhan. It's the culture. We're a, we're a real footballing country. Like it's, it's in our blood. It's in our kids' faces when they're over there. There's so much rivalry that actually, if you are in that sport, it's because you're driven to be in that sport. I think those are, those are key factors when I reflect on it. I think you were quoted saying during your time there that you admired the culture because these players weren't afraid to confront the issues in women's football. I'm a massive fan of that. Um, I'm a huge fan of, obviously, women's football. I've been in it for about 20-odd years now, but I'm a big fan of, of people having a voice. And so that's why I try and, in my culture, try and integrate that into it. But yeah, like like for me, the, the, way, the bravery in which, which they showed their character and they fought for what they believed in. It, like it's admirable. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. Just to happen to be some extremely talented footballers. Um, but yeah, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how to go. I had some, I had some really good advice of, of how to support that process. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm huge into supporting the growth of humans. So if that's their cause to fight, which I agreed with almost all of the time, then, then you know, I can if I could play a small part, then I'm, I'm doing a little bit. I'd like to talk to you about some other humans. That's how smooth my links are. That's great. Thank you very Wonderful. much. Super smooth. We've talked about the loneliness of being a manager, but you've obviously put together an elite coaching team here. Mm-hmm. Tell us about those people. Tell us their roles. Tell us how they help you. Yeah, look, thanks for asking that because I'm a big believer in collaboration. So it's not just, you know, I'm a head coach and I take like, I take all of the pressures. I take all of that and I'm okay with that. But the coaching team, the support team, I mean, I'm, I, you've put me on the spot here, but I'll go coaching team first. Obviously, Marty Ho, um, when I picked him up, was um, was a character that, you know, he's, he's a scouser and he's fiery. Um but, but my God, does he care about the development of the players? And he, does he care about every hour he spends is about watching football. It's about developing uh, his ideas of football. And so when I brought in my principles of how we play, he's brought ideas to that and, and it's been excellent. You know, it's, it's been a real kind of quality, he sees the game really quickly. Um, and I almost see the game now in flow of, of mindset, mood, um, who is or isn't performing when or when not to interject and Marty obviously then allow, I've allowed him to then couple that with his thought process Wilco you know so I know Wilco very well has helped Mary and obviously I'll talk about baggers slightly in a minute has helped Mary get to to the best goalkeeper in the world um, with the work that he's done and the diligence that he, pla- he, he pays and all of the the details he goes to the set pieces we've been excellent for two seasons under here and I know we were excellent before that so you know he's played a massive part in that um and obviously with baggers as well you haven't seen baggers as much as you but the growth she's had has been exceptional but she's sitting behind you know Mary and and that's been really tough for her but I want to pay special mention to her because she has probably one of the best attitudes to supporting the team and, and, and playing her role than I've ever seen. And so I wanted to get some credit because she deserves, she, she, she's magnificent for that. Um, 
And then, you know, Charlotte's came in this year um, and has helped. She's she's played a real key part in in helping develop the loan players and keeping touch base with them and, and also helping develop. We're a club that, that is absolutely supportive of youth team players being in our in our first team as a whole club and it's really unique. So I wanted to make sure that we have that as well. So she she bridges that gap and with Lewis, they kind of give me the right who's the next players that we, we should be looking at. Then you go Carl Green, who's been with me since Birmingham and he's played sports scientist, assistant coach at Orlando and now he's my head of performance. And, you know, you ask why we've had availability at, because we got a little bit of, and, and again, this is a sore point for some in the media. I asked about whether I've, I'm trying to create a siege mentality because of the fact I say that we haven't got as much credit as we deserve. Well, let me be very clear. Look, I think you'll read them out shortly. You look at all of them. This team deserves immense credit. And not me. I'm not bothered about me. My team deserves immense credit, which includes the the, the people that support around it. Um. But but the reality is that that's because Carl's helped build a team that is fit and healthy and periodised at the right time. And we've been available all year. Our, our um, availability for players is 94%. That is incredible. That then comes on to the medical team. Ibi is by far the best physio I've worked with and his team are magnificent. You know, Siobhan's just come in. Siobhan Polly's just come in. Um, obviously we had Holly at the start of the year um, so you know they're growing Paddy's been doing work behind the scenes Amy with the nutrition has, has been exceptional you know we've had loads of growth within that area and so when I look at all of that I go you know the Doc Eddie has, has played their part these are all things that keep us healthy on the pitch then you go to Jack in the sports science who's helped prepare the bodies of the players for the robustness needed for this season I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing someone. I feel terrible now, but but it's the reality and support behind the scenes that that means we're Lawrence. We had Luke Wright who who went across to the men's team this year uh, for analysis, and Lawrence has come in and he's like I've I've been gifted with the people I've been inherited, and Lawrence came in halfway through the year and he's been exceptional too. Sees it, gets it, um, technologically advanced. Um, and we like to use innovation within our technologies um, to support coaching process. And, and you know, so waxing lyrical about that support team. Obviously, Polly's come in this year as well. Um, and I'm hoping under her tutelage that we can drive off the field ambition so that we can really support the growth of this team. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, hopefully that's everyone. I hope I haven't missed. If not, I'll do a separate podcast just for you. <laughs> <laughs> Read your stats, Ben. Well, those stats you're speaking of, reward from the hard work, clean sheet record, 14, we know that, closest average shot distance in the league, joint fewest counter-attacking shots conceded, fewest goals conceded, lowest XG conceded, joint highest passing completion at 83%, highest counter-press regains in the league, most counter-pressures in opposition half, and highest possession in the league at 62%. Yeah, look, I'm proud of that. I'm absolutely, that's, that's what I meant about the credit that I don't think we've deserved. Like everyone talks about Chelsea and, and they've got the experience and so on, but you can tell the fire in me that, well, these teams are in our way and, and look, they can spend all the money we want. We've got to find ways to bridge the gap. But I look at those stats and that is an ultra performing team. And that's difficult. We, we got to do that again, right? So to do that again and beat Chelsea is obviously the aim. 
But that is an exceptional season right there for the players, the players, the staff, all the work they've put in for everyone that's involved here, everyone at this club. That is exceptional. You know, we, we've eight possessed Manchester City who love to play um, their, their style of football, which is possession based. And we've mixed our styles, the amount of different goal scorers we've had as well. The, the ways we score goals, how late we can score goals, how early we can score goals. We can blow a team away. And then, and then for me, these are, these are just factors of if you did give them that, that two seasons ago when I picked them up and I didn't have a window to work in, in the first summer. So we worked three players in that winter. And then this season as well for us to go in and put, we've put 10 new players in this, in this team, 10 new players. And only a team that's as special as this with the camaraderie that they have can carry that kind of change. And so I am absolutely passionate. This team get the credit they deserve, even though we still want to win it. We still know we haven't won it. We still haven't won a cup and we still want to win a cup, but on a consistent basis, but, but they deserve the credit. And I want my, I want our fans to feel that passion. I want our players to feel that passion that actually at the end of a long season, where everyone is knackered, they deserve that because they've been exceptional this year. You look at the stats now and you can go back, you've got the best of this, the best like of so many different things. Is that something that you look at at the end of the season or is that something that drives you and motivates you before and after every single game? We've used them at times when I, when I feel it's appropriate in pre-match conversations. You know, when we've played top games, I think, you know, you need to, you need to, again, you know this, if you're going to beat a top team, you've got to believe you can beat a top team. We've got to disrespect them for that 90 minutes, respect what they've achieved, respect all of that around football because that, that's part of the, the culture of football. But when you play them on that day, you've got to beat them and you've got to forget what they can do. You've got to remember what you can do. And so I've used them at times, but it's hard for me to go, right, let's try and possess the ball for more than anybody else this season. It's the reality of the way the games have played. So, you know, we've come up against teams that have deep blocked so if you remember last year, teams deep blocked against us. So what did I do? Okay, I'm going to look at Rachel Williams because if we need to play more direct, I can play a player up front that we can go direct to and then we'll cause problems because defenders in this league hate direct play. And, and you see it every day. Uh, you saw the Liverpool game. We play over the ball direct uh, off the run, off the, off the wing back, which we knew was going to happen because they switch off and Luthia gets in and down the side of the centre-half because the centre-half's are facing their own goal now. It's all these little nuances that we designed. It's not by chance. For anyone that thinks we fluked that, you can't fluke that much. But what we did was we looked at, right, if we need to possess it, we need 1v1 characteristics. We need people that can move and space it. I think the other day, you know, people talk about um, the growth of the Lionesses over the summer and how that's helped the league. But I think that the, the development of this club helps our players to be better. And anyone that comes to this club I think helps them on an international stage because of the way that we coach, the way that we play. So yeah, we do use those statistics, but um, I like this part because actually, you know what? It's it's the only part because we want to win so bad and we didn't quite get there. You know, these are the parts that I'm like, you know, if we keep doing that and add the right talent in, then, I, you know, our sky's the limit for us. Should also mention not on that list, all the Skinner Time goals. Oh, wow. Well, do you know what? If you want to coin that, I'm happy for that tactic. <laughs> if we're looking at the Fergie, I coined Fergie Time because I still, I still think that's amazing. But I love the fact it's a mentality. 
it's just a mentality. All it is is, right, we're not going to give up. But what it does allow is because we've got someone like Rach who come in and make her, and I'll be, you know, not a lot of fans gave her a lot of credit. Why are we sign a 35-year-old, blah, 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 blah. If you see that girl, not only would you want to be a friend every day, you'd want to run for a wall with her. She's an unbelievable character. And you know what's beautiful by the end of the season? That when she'd come on, the fans would go mad for her. And that is because... Because if if you can if you can sense anything about somebody, Rachel is somebody that our fans should get right behind. She was a plasterer for like probably three years, four years ago. She was a plasterer, but yet has the ability that she has to come on and change games for us the way she does. And so yeah, look, it's if we can coin that, and I want that to be something. Then yeah, look, it's a mentality. Skinner time goals. <laughs> We're talking you, about skinner time you, goals. If you trademark that, I think I might have to. <laughs> yes, please do. Um, but look, we need to do it again next season. Like, I don't want it to be, we're building something here and we need to keep building it. But yeah, it's a mentality and it's a shift. And, and that's what I talked about in my press conferences at the end of those games. Those teams should be scared of that. And I want them to be scared. I want them to be fearful of Manchester United because we've, we've arrived. And I want them to know that because then you're already in their mind before you play them. And they then end up respecting us rather than us respecting them as much. Champions League is on the horizon for next season. What are the next building blocks heading towards that and challenging for the title once again? Loads of blo- loads of blocks. We're going to a, a round of the second round, I think, <clears throat> where we can play some extremely experienced teams. What a challenge. So it's a challenge. So it's something we're looking forward to. Um, hopefully we get a favourable draw. If not, then, you know, we're going to give it absolutely everything. Because our, you know, I'd love our fans away on tour on, on a European tour would be wonderful. Um, we we've got to be. I have to. I have to. By the the nature of the competition, should we make Champions League group stage, rotate more? Absolutely, something that's thrown at me this year. But again, when you come back to those statistics and how we've performed, you know, I have a lot of answers for those those critics. But the reality is. Um, there's going to be a lot more game time for players next year. Um, and to navigate some of the, the the tough games where it's a midweek game away and then go into a tough challenge on a weekend, we've got to navigate that. But all things we should be excited about, all things that we should we love, relish and, and disrespect because, um, you know, we're all not here for a long time, right? So we have to make sure we make our moments matter while we're here. And that's for me, making history for this club is, is is a really proud individual achievement for us. But actually, we don't want it. Like we we want to be insatiable. We want to be driven. We want to be fully here to embrace everything that that's thrown at us. And I think that's going to be our attitude going into the, the new year. You mentioned how hard it is to break for teams to break into that top three or to even go on and win the league. I think it's been dominated by Chelsea, City when it wants Arsenal as well. What have you got to do to challenge for that in terms of they're spending a lot of money, they're being able to bring in players, they've got the facilities needed. What have we got to do to get to that level? We have to do the same. We have to, look, I want to give credit to every one of those players for, for everything they've done this season um, and and the future we're going to have with them. But we, we have to know, we have to be aggressive in the market and we have to match, if not go beyond Chelsea. You know, we're the biggest club in the world. So, um, you know, we have to... Uh, bringing players that have the experience that I was talking about earlier of winning the Champions League at the highest level and are in the peak of their career and are performing at that level. You know, we we have to do that as a club. Um, and I'm passionate about that because 
I know what experiences we're going to face next year. So we, we need the players in the moment can make the moment. And so I am a, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we will continue to invest to the levels we need to. And, and it's something, you know, we're going to have to demand if you want to be successful. Is it just experience you look for or do you look for youth as well? I look, well, you can have, you can have experienced youth players. It just depends how early they've been exposed to Champions League. But what, what's clear is they have to have that experience. They have to now, they have to be ready to take on the, 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 the weight of this crest. Because I think that's another thing. You know, you are constantly supported and constantly criticised. You are supported from internal, but then outside, externally, you know, you know how much everybody wants Manchester United to fail. So, look, what we can do, we can only control the controllables. And that for me is going into the market and being aggressive to get the players. Because I know that there shouldn't be any player in this world that does not want to play for Manchester United. You know, we are the biggest club in the world, but also we've got not only the history, we're creating our own here. We're into Champions League for the first time. We've, we, if you'd had that points tally last year, I think we've won leagues prior to that with that, with that points tally. Um, I think, you know, we lost two games and only to Chelsea do we lose those two games. And I'm still fuming that we should have had two penalties against Chelsea, which would have then balanced that, that points total out. So we talk about the Everton game, but in that game, we got told there was two penalties that should have been given to us by the officials. So that for me is something that, you know, it, it sits hard because these are the, the tiny details. And then, we're talking about the time details in recruitment. We need to make sure that we as a club continue to be as ambitious as being the best team in the world because that's how fiercely ambitious I am. You know, I've, I've, I've allowed, I've moved to the business side, the people to do the business because, you know, my focus is on the football and what we're doing on the football pitch and that's working. So we need to make sure that we continue to work off the field to get the, the business that we need in. To, to make sure we go on a European tour and do something that nobody else has talked about. You know, how many years has Chelsea never won the Champions League? Never won it. Been around for how long? Spent how much money? Never won it. Yeah, so we know how difficult that's going to be as well. We have to, in this modern era, Arsenal have never won it. Manchester City haven't. You know, that's how hard it is. So, you know, that's how, that's how, how you know, ambitious we are as a club, as a team. And we need to make sure we, we match those in the transfer market. Well, we spoke to Mary. I spoke to Mary after the Liverpool United game, um, after obviously winning the game, but the frustration of not winning the league. And that was her kind of answer. She said, we want to win the Champions League. And that's not an unrealistic ambition. That's something that you want every player to go in there with, with that ambition of. Correct. And did you know what? If you don't aspire to that, what are we here for? We're not here. I, I'm not a coach that will sit here and go, oh yeah, you know, we want to finish second every year and just, I'm not interested in that. I'm never have been, you know, it's first or, or nothing for us in terms of this season. I can understand, but the season's beyond. Like I, I take the pressure every day because I want us to aspire to do that. I, I, I don't, I won't be a coach for a long, long period of time. Like the, it's, it's not an infinite job. So in the time, I want to make sure that we are competing at the very best of our level. And you know what I love doing? I love doing things that people say we can't do. That's part of my character. It's part of my nature. Tell, people tell us we can't go in and win the Champions League. Yeah, okay. Well, then we're going to try the very best of our ability to try and do that. And so with our fan base and with, with this club and, and the right direction, if we, if we do that, I have no doubt we can be the very best club in world football, not just in, in Europe. I think it's really exciting. You can see like from the players, yes, they were devastated that they didn't win and it was that small margin, but the excitement of then the next step, it is 
transforming, like moving forwards at such a quick rate. And the Champions League is such an exciting thing. And you mentioned it there about the fans going on like a European tour. I'm sure all of them are so excited about going. But you spoke about kind of the experience of loss, also the experience of winning. It's kind of players coming into a group potentially with experience of success. Does that kind of bring a different dynamic, if you could add that? I think that was, I think even we designed it that way. So like, look at Nikita Paris coming in in the summer. So we, we designed it almost that we we didn't have the years of experience together to have all that success that really breeds calmness in the moments that you need it. And so looking forward, yeah, we, we, we need to celebrate the successes we've had. But also, like I look at, look at the players faces in that and that and it's just a together energy right it's it just feels like we have this special team spirit that that I think can carry you through even the parts where you need a bit more experience I want to celebrate the losses and the successes because I just think it builds a stronger united team and there's many you know there's, there's what I love about our our, our name obviously united is it's it's its own explanation, right? And when I talk about some of the the like rebel red attitude that we've asked our players this year, and because everyone, you know how hard it is to win this league, and it's usually it's been like Arsenal haven't won it for how long? Man City haven't won it for how long? They haven't been broken to that top three. Nobody has for like what how many years? But so I think it's those experiences so that we will celebrate going into this and. I'm looking forward to this this challenge. It's we will never run from a challenge. That this club is not about that. This club is about facing adversity, staring it in the face, and coming through the other side. And uh, you know, it inspires me every day when I when I look at our history as a football club and our fans. And you know, you were at the game the other day, and honestly, I've never. It's just so remarkable. You've got a wall of Manchester United fans. And it felt like a proper rivalry. You know, we talk about Liverpool and Manchester United in the in the men's game being a rivalry. And it's building, it will build that way in the women's game. But it, it almost felt like we'd arrived right at that moment. And then right behind the dugout, there's another sea of Manchester United fans. And so I think, again, Liverpool broke their record attendance. I'm guaranteed that's from our, from our fans. So I feel... You know, and I say this for the last time and I'll finish it this season and I won't use it again. I feel privileged to be the manager for these fans, for everybody involved in this football club. And the reason I'll stop saying that after this is because I just want to be there to win for them because of what they give us. So it's a special, special moment. And just to finalise on that, that experience of those winning and with the fans, I think can make a real special force for us. You've just wrapped it all up. <laughs> don't know if we've got any time left. But... <laughs> I needed to. I can't speak anymore. <laughs> all right. I guess then we'll say thank you so much, Mark. I've really enjoyed it. And look, thank you very much for the questions and, and glory, glory, Man United. That's the way to finish it. Glory, glory, Man United. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree that was an excellent podcast. I'd say maybe from your two perspective, he gave very long answers. You didn't actually get loads of questions in. Mark loves talking. We all know that, but he's such a brilliant talker, isn't he? He gives you, he tells you everything that kind of, that he's feeling. Some people are like quite closed books and you don't get anything from them. You can see the emotion. You can see the passion. You can see everything that this club with these players and everything around it means to him and the value of it and the importance of people. And I think that's why 
he spoke so much because he's got so much to tell and so much to give. And I think that translates into kind of the team's performances and the team's development this season on and off the pitch. I just like his, his passion just like hits you with waves, doesn't it? Like it's very, he's a very exciting person to be around. He's a journalist's dream. The way he talks about his players, his coaching, his staff, everything so professionally yet so emotionally. You can you can just see how involved in his work that he is and whether or not he takes that home with him. I know he's married to a, a former footballer. I don't know what that dynamic is like. I'd imagine that it's very football, football based, but as he said, it's not. And they, they do go and they switch off. But yeah, the way he talks about everything so passionately, you can see how much he cares. I'm just really hoping that he didn't miss out one member of staff because that member of staff is not going to be happy that they've been left off the list. He's going to have a lot of apologising to do. Yeah, that would be really funny. Someone listening going, oh, that'd be me. Oh, a little bit. Uh, No. Oh, he's moved on. That was weird. (laughs) Awkward. Yeah. Uh, I really liked when he went, oh, tell us we can't win the Champions League. Yeah, all right. Let's see. I think we might win the Champions League, guys. Maybe with a Skinner time goal. Yeah. Tell you what, I think I could Could you imagine the anxiety if you... Champions League, Skinner time, getting to that point. It's never happened in Manchester United before, has it? Can't think of an example. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've had a message uh, from Kelvin Young who said the podcast team are doing a great job. I would, even though he sent this before, I would... No, he's definitely heard ours. Kind yeah. of, he's got a special talent. That's what I think so. Um, he said he left the UK about 20 years ago and still tries to get back to games when he can. But uh, MUTV and the podcast are a great way for him to stay connected to the club he loves. Kelvin, thank you very much for your message. Uh, that's it for this episode. Ben, thank you very much. Yvonne, thank you very much. Uh, a bit like at the end of the James Bond films where it says James Bond will return. Helen and Maisie will return to the Manchester United podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews and star ratings and all that kind of stuff. It's very nice if you do, but don't feel obliged. And um, basically, just have a really nice time, whatever you're doing. And see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.